0: I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you. Oh, it's good to see you this morning. How many of you feel different? <laughs> Enough said about that. Okay, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. We'll dive into this, uh, this passage of Scripture. Lord, thank You so much for everything You do. Thank You for all the things You work together God, this week especially, it's important for us to be reminded about Your providence. That You work all things together according to Your own counsel and not ours. And that You work them together for our good, even even if we worry and fret about the future. God, we ask that Your Spirit be with us now as we look to this passage of scripture open our eyes open our minds and our hearts God through the proclamation of your word conform us more to the image of your son Jesus Christ Lord we love you we love you, we love you thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, I think division is popular today, don't you? <laughs> you to With all the division we see around us about everything, mm-hmm. the text before us today is about unity and loyalty and... <laughs> I don't think. I think God has a sense of humor. (laughs) I I think He works things together on purpose. (laughs) Unity and loyalty, brotherhood and and sisterhood of of the Christian Church and Mm -hmm. and faithfulness, faithfulness, which comes down to this loyalty and devotion. Uh, In majority circles. Do you think there is any sense of brotherhood or sisterhood at all? Do you think that people today look to be on one another's teams, or do you think people are always looking for a reason to fight and and bicker in our current society? I, I think... I mean, unless you look at like the military in the sense of brotherhood there is in the military right sisterhood in the military or in law enforcement by the way yesterday was national appreciation national law enforcement appreciation day so so if you served or serve thank you thank you yeah thank you for law law enforcement yeah um, absolutely and today is sanctity of life sunday and so there's that we we believe God created all life, um, and and that he he said all life apart is holy in some way. Um, that's why Scripture instructs us not to murder, and that's why we value the lives of unborn children who cannot defend themselves. Um, so we we just want to make those things known, especially today. Those are important things to think about. But even when it comes to those topics, even in Christianity there's there's all sorts of division that doesn't really need to need to be there um, people are generally speaking and we especially see it I think in our own day faithless people faithless and unfaithful people the people reject the God who created them the people reject the church which is to to bring peace and justice to the earth and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ of salvation through forgiveness of sins. Um, And people are always looking for a reason, it seems like, to pounce. Uh, People are wolves on the prowl, it seems like. Um, Looking for opportunities to create arguments and dissension and violence. Uh, And... In the midst of this sort of culture that has been created not by God's law and not by God's design for church, but by human hands and by human religion and by human governments and by human political parties. And the scriptures speak into that this morning. We're going to see this passage of Scripture in two parts. Verses 4 through 8, we're going to see what it means that we are confirmed in the faith. That any local church body is confirmed in the faith. And then verse 9, we're going to see what this thing called faithfulness, loyalty, devotion, is really all about. Verse 4, Paul continues writing to the believers in Corinth, I thank my God. Always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you in Christ Jesus. And if you remember what we discovered last week about the church at Corinth, uh, this is the unhealthiest church in the New Testament. Uh, These guys have a problem with Paul. Uh, these guys, uh, most of them don't want to listen to Paul. I think uh, this church sent a letter to Paul asking him some questions, but I really think it was probably one of the elders of the church that was like, Paul knows the answer. Paul knows what we need to do. But the most of the church was probably like, we don't want to hear from that apostle. So Paul, he starts off by. Recognizing this church as a church, announcing God's grace and peace to the church at Corinth, instead of like returning hate for hate, returning dissension for dissension, he says, grace and peace be with you. And that's what we saw last week. And the first thing we see this week, Paul is, I thank my God concerning you. This unhealthy church that has been given over to false doctrine and false religious practice, uh, that is ignoring the poor and its community, that is uh, striving for status rather than serving people. They they are a congregation of of power-hungry people rather than a congregation of people who wash one another's feet. And they don't like Paul, and still Paul says, "I thank my God concerning you." How many of you in this room have ever? How many of you have ever had a bad church experience? (laughs) Let's let's, let's be a little honest here. Uh, Yes, and yes, Uh, we've, we've all had a bad church experience, right? And how many of you ever walking away from that church, leaving on terrible terms, you walk away from that church, and you think to yourself, thank you, Lord, for that congregation. <laughs> that's not the first thing on our minds, is it? But that's what we see from Paul. That's the example that this apostle sets. Now, this is, this is hard for us to, to swallow, right? Whoa. It was hard for me to swallow um, because I've had those bad experiences too and I wasn't so gracious. I prayed for God's righteous indignation against the congregation. That's what I prayed for. But The example we see from Paul is I I thank my God always concerning you. Isn't this interesting? Why does Paul thank God for this really unhealthy local church, the, the local church at Corinth? I thank my God concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus. The more I study Scripture, the more I see what it means to to live by grace and to treat others with grace and, and mercy. And Paul does not thank God for the church at Corinth because of the church's merits. Paul does not thank God for the church at Corinth because... Of the church's kindness. Paul does not thank God for the church at Corinth because of the church's teaching. Paul thanks God for the church at Corinth because of God's own grace. That by God's own grace, he called a local church into existence, and built a community of faith there, and that God himself, by grace, re- Remains faithful to this church in Jesus Christ. And when we think about, say, those of us who have had really bad church experiences, and when we think about those churches <laughs> where we've had bad experiences, if God has established a church, God has done that on purpose. And we thank God for that congregation, not because of any merit of that congregation. But because of the grace of God. and this because in the flesh I want to let him have it. But in the spirit like this is the sort of grace God calls us to to be a people of of thanksgiving in all things rather than a people of condemnation and complaining and Paul sets the example for us in his letter to this church at Corinth and this truth it, it applies outside of the local church so we say yeah I've had a bad experience at a local church and okay now I know I need to be graceful merciful uh, God in his providence like if I complain about stuff I'm I'm neglecting the providence of God. Have we thought about that? Like rejecting the fact that God works all things together. And then we think about this truth, the providence of God in, in all things, and, and our, our place as believers, as as people who thank God rather than complain about what God has worked together or or be a people of condemnation. This this truth applies outside the church as, as well. There are other denominations than ours who believe differently than we do on many points of doctrine and have different practices within their congregational gatherings and there are other religions like Islam and like Catholicism which I would classify as a whole other religion than than our own and Hinduism and there are there are cults in the world like Scientology and Mormonism. And and we think about those things in light of God's providence. That from among every religious viewpoint God is saving a people for Himself and it's only by grace any religious viewpoint exists right that's, that's it. God only allows other religious viewpoints to exist by his own grace and 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 by his own providence so so I mean applied like this even means I thank God for those people they're wrong <laughs> but I thank God for those people because God by his providence is he has worked this together for His own glory. That, that people trying to figure figure stuff out and, and think about uh, religion and God and, and morality that that they're actually drawn. God draws His people out of those out of those religions. This is the great irony with with man made religion, right? God is actually calling people out of religion into His kingdom. We believe that His kingdom is properly represented by biblical Christianity not by one local church or another or a religious viewpoint, but, but by biblical Christianity, by, by the biblical text. And then we, we think about nations established around the world, nations even where Christian persecution seems to reign supreme. And if we believe in the providence of God, we believe He is the one who works all things together, and we believe none of those nations exist by accident and that as long as those nations exist this is what the book of Revelation is about now which we'll look at during our lunch study I won't won't start preaching the book of Revelation right now but it's all of those nations by God's providence and they continue to exist because God is accomplishing His work and calling his people who are among those nations to himself. When he is done doing that, he will do away with the nations of the world and his nation will be the only nation left. All of this by God's providence and our response to everything we see in the world, every nation, every religion, every denomination in every local church is just Thankfulness to God, because through all of that, what we see is this crazy mess, is beautifully orchestrated by God to accomplish His His purposes. No matter who's in charge from a human perspective, God is the He will have the last laugh always. His will will be done. So we thank God always concerning others, other local churches and other denominations and other religions and, and nations around the world for the grace of God, which was given to them in Christ Jesus. So there, there are two types of grace given to the people of the world. One is common grace, which is God's grace to all people everywhere. Uh, we only breathe by God's grace. That's common grace. And then there is God's particular grace when God chooses a particular people for Himself, brings that people into the kingdom of heaven, salvation, promises them eternal life, uh, that they would inherit the world, and through them brings His justice and peace to the world. That's His particular grace. And we thank God for both of these things how can we know brothers and sisters if a if any local church is in the faith or not do you know the answer there are so many different beliefs and surely we wouldn't say because someone doesn't believe there is a uh, all right I'll just use the thing that we're talking about on <laughs> during lunch surely, just because somebody doesn't believe in a seven year future tribulation, we would cut them off from Christ. There are many things that we think are important in times is one of those baptism, infant baptism versus credo baptism baptism of confession is one of those and surely we wouldn't cut somebody off from Christ because they believe differently than, than we do on that point where do we draw the line though like at what point does a church become a false church and how can we know that a, that a local church including our own is a, is a true church really seeking after Christ. Well, Paul gives us the answer here why he believes that this is is a church that has received the particular grace of Christ despite how unhealthy the church at Corinth is. I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. That's particular grace in Christ Jesus. That in everything you were enriched in Him. Uh, What is... Paul mean when he says everything? Well, he tells us in all speech and all knowledge. Or well, what kind of speech and knowledge? Well, he tells us even this is a run-on sentence. Paul is really, really good at giving us run-on sentences, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed. Confirmed in you. This is original mm, confirmation. <laughs> Can I use that word in a Baptist church confirmation. <laughs> I, you know, like, that's that's what Paul is talking about here. Is confirmation, and it's not like the confirmation, like oh, you're raised and catechized. Hey, look, if you have a good catechism, great. Let's use it. All right, it's question and answers, teach children about God. That's what a catechism is, right? Uh, but it, what Paul's not getting at here is is a catechism, and then twelve or fourteen or, or whatever, you bring 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 the, bring the kid up and say, all right, we're gonna ask you all these questions, and if you get the answers wrong, well, you're not confirmed, right? Uh, no, it's not that kind of confirmation. This is a different kind of confirmation. What, what kind of confirmation is Paul talking about? He's talking about the confirmation of the testimony concerning Christ and the people. That this, this local church receive a proper understanding, knowledge of the correct gospel of Jesus Christ the correct testimony concerning Jesus Christ, and they transmitted the correct gospel. And Paul says that is confirmation that that you belong to Christ, despite everything else that is wrong. All of the doctrine that is unsound and all of your practices that are unhealthy and, and for the church at Corinth, downright harmful... Still, you hold to the correct testimony concerning Christ, the proper knowledge of the testimony of Christ, and correct speech concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul recognizes that, and he says, Because of that, you were confirmed in Christ, it's original confirmation. But Paul spent a year and a half pastoring the church at Corinth, he gave them the correct gospel. And the church received it then and transmitted it. After a year and a half, he left entrusting the ministry to the elders there in the church at at Corinth. And and that's what he's talking about is their their original confirmation, the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in them. When we think about the local church, our, our own local church included, that is the confirming sign, is the correct gospel of Jesus Christ. Exalting Christ and glorifying the Father in, in heaven and, and confessing that this is Christ's work and He is building His church and He calls people to Himself for the Father's glory and his, and his exaltation. And that if we repent and believe in Christ and His person and in His work, not in our own work, not trying to justify ourselves, that if we believe that and accept it and we repent, we are saved. And the gospel is the confirmation here. It is the gospel. And if any church, no matter how they differ in, in doctrine or practice, proclaims the gospel the correct gospel according to the apostles like we saw last week like they are devoted to the teaching of the apostles beginning with the the gospel that church belongs to Christ if a church does not proclaim the correct gospel there is no confirmation and that local church does not belong to Christ Paul gives us that dichotomy here but He recognizes that this unhealthy church, the church at Corinth, confesses the correct gospel. And then, he says, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ there are two results we see from salvation that even even the unhealthiest church gets to experience the first is the production of gifts not lacking any gift the church at corinth the whole congregation this isn't just the apostles this is the whole congregation not lacking any gift and awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. His his return, His second coming. Waiting eagerly. I can't wait. This world is not my home. I am a sojourner. I am an alien here. I look forward to the coming of Christ and and the final establishment of His kingdom on this earth. We understand what that is, but what is this thing about gifts? What is that? Paul only talks about one kind of gift like this through, <laughs> through 1 Corinthians. He's it's, it's talking about spiritual gifts. If somebody asked, um, remember I asked you to be reading through 1 Corinthians and sending me any questions you have and doubtless there were going to be questions about gifts. <laughs> gifts of the Spirit. And someone sent me this question. What gifts visibly unite the church what, what gifts? And here, before we even get like... You thought we were going to have to wait till we got to 1 Corinthians 12 to talk about spiritual gifts, didn't you? And no, it's here in chapter 1, like Paul is letting us know. This is a major part of the church. Spiritual gifts. And he lists those gifts in chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. The, the gifts he is talking about. Wisdom. Knowledge. Faith. Healing. Miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues belonging to the whole body of of believers. And I'm not gonna take the time this morning to walk through each of those gifts and define them. For now it's just really important for us to know that those are the gifts. Paul is talking about. And there, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says that within the body of believers, within the congregation, these gifts are the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Even in an unhealthy church, these gifts are the manifestation of the the Holy Spirit living and, and dwelling and abiding within us and guiding us to all truth. Those are the gifts, and and they're given for the common good, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we want to ask, like, what gifts actually unite the body, build the body up, serve the common good. There they are. Listed out for us. And I don't think it's an exhaustive list. I don't think there are probably more than that. I think Paul is addressing what the Corinthians are fighting about. I think there are more spiritual gifts than that. But that's the list Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now look at the language, the wording used here in verse 7. So that you are not lacking in any gift. Paul is thanking God. The confirmation of the church being a true church is the gospel itself. Which means the gifts are not confirmation. The gifts are not confirmation. The gifts are a result, a manifestation of of faith powered by the Holy Spirit, not confirmation. So we cannot look at this and say something like, speaking in tongues is required for salvation. We can't can't do that. There's only one thing required for salvation, and that's the work of the Lord. (laughs) calling us to Himself and transforming our hearts new birth. That's required for salvation. And the testimony of Christ within us confirms that salvation. And then the outpouring of our salvation, that's the spiritual gifts. It's it's a result, not a confirmation. So that the church is not lacking in any gift. So not every single believer will have every single gift. And no they're dispersed within the congregation and the body of Christ is not lacking in any of these gifts awaiting eagerly the revelation of our lord jesus jesus christ so all these gifts not required for salvation These gifts are not the apostolic gifts. They're given to the whole congregation. The apostolic gifts were sign gifts in order to confirm the testimony they were given, right, to spread to the world. They were writing scripture. The the sign gifts were something by which they proved, I have the authority to write scripture. So these gifts are not the apostolic sign gifts, but they are a manifestation of the Spirit in the congregation. So, the church is not lacking any gift as a result of salvation and it awaits eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the one who will also confirm you, the church at Corinth, to the end. And because of this original confirmation and through this original confirmation, we see this amazing promise. And Paul takes hold of this. Even for the unhealthiest church in the New Testament, Paul still says, And God, who saved you, through, through, through whom you were confirmed by the testimony of His gospel, He will confirm you to the end. He will provide final confirmation. He will confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, when He does return God has already promised that if if He saves us, He will sanctify us. Those who belong to Him, man, we start off really, like really terrible Christians. Do you understand what I mean? How many of you just started off like a perfect Christian? Hmm. If you did, please come and teach. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I didn't. <laughs> no, there's this process of sanctification. God, he, he elects the people for Himself, saves the people for Himself, and conforms them to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, period. Uh, there's no, God saves you and then expects you to like become better. Uh, Paul is writing this to the unhealthiest church in the New Testament. He says, God saved you. The confirmation is there. He will make you perfect. He'll deliver you blameless on the other side. He has promised not only to preserve you, but to persevere you. You have been saved and you are being saved. That's perseverance of the saints. You know, that's, that's what it is, right? God will do that. Christ will, will do that. So what's going on in Paul's mind here as he writes 1 Corinthians is This church is unhealthy? I can be gracious and merciful. I, I don't have to use a condemning tone or a complainy sort of tone, because I know that God has already promised to sanctify this church, and I will do my part by writing this letter. The same is true for all of us. We can have we can be loyal like Paul is loyal. Did you know that? not forsaking our brothers and sisters because of wretchedness we see with our eyes or because our preferences aren't being met or whatever, but because God has promised to sanctify His people to persevere us to the end, to make us blameless and complete. We, Instead of running, we can actually invest ourselves. Invest ourselves, knowing that God's Word does not return void. Knowing that none of our None of our striving is in vain. None of our loving is in vain. Even if it doesn't feel like we're loved back. Y'all, we serve an, an awesome God. And the only God who empowers us toward that kind of love, which, surprise, we'll see in First Corinthians 13, after Paul talks about spiritual gifts, I like this sacrificial sort of love and, and loyalty and devotion. The the loyalty and devotion we see coming from Paul here. This is this is supernatural. We don't have this in us in our in our natural person. We don't. We can't do that. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can we be that this loyal. When other people dislike us, or disagree with us, or or hate us, or persecute us, only, only by the Spirit can we do that. And faithfulness is what we see in verse nine. God is faithful. So after you know declaring his own loyalty to the church at Corinth, Paul doesn't say, "I'm the faithful one." No, he. He points their attention back to God. God is faithful. Like Paul is just trying to be a... He's just trying to be like Christ. (laughs) God is faithful. Through whom you were called into fellowship, fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. When we say that anyone or any local church is in the faith... Here is what we mean. We don't mean that they are good enough. We don't mean that they believe all the correct stuff. Brothers and sisters, I have a feeling we don't believe all the correct stuff. I am perfectly convinced of my beliefs right now. (laughs) But my mind can be changed by the Holy Spirit and by people who show me in in scripture, that, that something is different than what I say. I have someone in the room trying to do that right now. Looking at you, <laughs> and I'm open to that. We, we all should be, right? No, when we say that a person or a local church is in the faith, we mean that they are in in the particular faithfulness of God. Who chose them and is, is ever faithful to the people he chooses, unconditionally, infinitely faithful to the people he chooses for himself. Isn't it good to know that God is faithful to you and to me? What, uh, Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth with these words God is faithful. And there we receive great encouragement. Like, there is no way, by any striving of ours, if God has chosen us for Himself, that we could step outside of His will. (laughs) How often do you hear somebody say that? You're outside the will of God. Look, if God works all things together is it really possible to be outside of His will? Let's be honest. Now we can do things that dishonor Him, which I think is really what most people mean when they say outside of His will. We can't really be outside of His will. Man, that's encouraging. That God is not only preserving us, but He's persevering us. Cool. And we also are challenged. We see in Scripture, be holy like the Lord your God is holy. God is ever faithful, loyal to His people, devoted to His people. And that thing we strive for if we are in Christ is the thing that God is producing in us is faithfulness to our brothers and sisters in Christ faithfulness to the, the local church that we've covenanted with. As, as a pastor, it means my, my undying faithfulness and loyalty to my congregation, to you in all things, as, as a servant to you. And for all of us, it means that to one another, like there's nothing you can do that can ruin that because it's unconditional and, and, and infinite if we are in Christ and, and if we have been sanctified to that point. And to make this realization, is, it is life-altering. I didn't come to grips with this until recently, until just last year, that there is to be this undying faithfulness I mean, I thought about it up here, but I, I had no idea what it was to feel like undying faithfulness, loyalty. I felt it in my marriage, but within the context of a local church, I had no idea what it felt like to, to want to be loyal to my, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, what is the, the difference between a worldly, and I'm talking about the outworking now, worldly religion, a worldly local church, congregation, and a local church or congregation that is in Christ and being conformed to the image of Christ. What is the difference? One is it's all about them, and the other one is about Christ. It's all about me some people sing I think some people sing that heart song in church sure yes what, I, what what else do we see that's different it's a big L word we've been talking about love love loyalty love loyalty to Christ and to his will and to his plan and, and to the and to the body of believers and devotion to the body of believers like we discovered last week I listed a few a few differences here between worldly religion or a worldly local church and biblical Christianity a, a biblical congregation ruled by Christ worldly religion is individualistic I believe what I believe I can do church all by myself I don't need anybody else I'm going to retreat from that because I'm happier when I'm gone individualistic worldly religion selfish biblical christianity is communal togetherness brotherhood sisterhood i love you and i want to invest in you and i want you to invest in me and sometimes it's going to hurt because i'm not always right <laughs> what what <laughs> None of us are. I I mean, we couldn't do discipleship if somebody was always right. There there would be no iron sharpening iron. There wouldn't be that, right? It's kind of silly to think that I am absolutely correct in everything I believe. That's kind of a silly notion. Things happen in the world every day that prove me wrong, I'm sure. I can say I'm perfectly convinced of what I believe. I can say that. Of course, I wouldn't believe it if I wasn't. <laughs> but there's this discipleship thing that happens. We need each other. We need each other to become perfect. We don't become perfect unless we are changed and we don't we're not changed unless we're we're with the body of believers, sharpening one another like iron sharpens iron. Worldly religion, and this is primarily the case within worldly versions of Christianity we see this church hopping phenomenon which is really bizarre when you think about it. I'll go to this church and stay until I see something I don't like and then I'll try out the next church and then I'll try out the next church and try out the next church. And we're perpetually trying out churches with no commitment. There can't be any growth. There can't be any sanctification when we live like that. Biblical Christianity is devotion and loyalty covenanting with the church body say, saying hey I want to be a member here I want to covenant with this community I'm going to be here and I'm going to invest and I'm going to let others invest in me and I want to be perfected and conformed to the image of Christ that's biblical, Christianity, biblical church membership turns out church membership actually matters interesting right worldly religion, worldly local churches, we retreat because we see wretchedness within the congregation. How many times do you hear that? Oh, that congregation is too full of gossip. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm just going to stay home and watch YouTube. Retreating because of wretchedness. That's worldly religion. It's individualistic, selfish. Instead of investing, we complain and Retreat. Biblical Christianity invests to encourage others on to love and good deeds. It's edification. I see gossip. Let me go to the person gossiping and build them up. Not retreat because the wretched church, I hate that group because people are imperfect. Guess who else is imperfect? <laughs> yeah. Every per- so we invest instead of retreat in worldly religion in a worldly local church people retreat because their preferences aren't being met oh, look that's a social club not a church if that's what's happening right well, preferences aren't all bad but we are to be about the will of our God not our own wills in biblical Christianity and a biblical local church we are interested in serving one another's good washing one another's feet. There's nothing about my preferences that says, yeah, I just really want to wash somebody's feet today. (coughs) We deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow Jesus. Worldly religion, people retreat because of hardship and biblical Christianity perseveres for others' good. Look, those of you who have sons or daughters, grandchildren... Do you forsake them because they give you a hard time and they're a little difficult to deal with sometimes? Never. Why would we do that to the church? We persevere for others' good. Worldly religion and worldly local churches are competitive. Oh, we need to do things better than the church down the street so we can get more people in here than are there. Competitive. That's worldly religion. Biblical Christianity, the biblical local church, is supportive. Wanting to build up other local churches. Wanting to invest in them, have a conversation. We want to build one another up doctrinally and practically. And the only competition that should exist between Christians... Outdoing one another in love. Stimulating one another on to good deeds. and in football. That's the only competition that exists between Christians. Not this, I'm better than you, but this. No, let me take the place of a servant. Let me, let me build you up. And the churches that are false churches quickly reveal themselves when they respond to that with hatred, right? Because that's what happens. Like you say, hey, let's build one another up, and they say, no, we're better than you. We don't need you. That it's a sure sign that another church probably, at least, isn't healthy, right? But as far as a healthy church is concerned, we we are supportive, and that's between Christians, local churches. We're going to apply it outside of that. Communities, nations. If there's life on other planets, worlds. <laughs> Sorry, my Trekkie's coming out a little bit. You now, 1 Corinthians is so important because um, when Paul is he's reminding us just about what basic Christianity is, what it just means to live like a Christian. And uh, like the church at Corinth, it's easy for us to start off well and then get on our, our, our high horses about all sorts of things. And 1 Corinthians just... It brings us back down to the cross. That uniting factor between all Christians and, and the fact that we are all given gifts to, to build the body up, not to tear it down. It reminds us how we are to think about other people and, and other local churches and other denominations and religions and nations. This this is a humbling message. Well, all of Scripture really is humbling, isn't it? I'm reminded of a song. <laughs> can, I, can I sing again for you this morning? <laughs> Somebody told me. It was you, Miss Priscilla. <laughs> I really liked it when you sang during that message. All right, I'll do it again. <laughs> this is a secular. Can we sing secular songs in church? Absolutely. On top of that, this is by a good. <laughs> on top of that, it's a. On top of that, it's a song by a guy named Avicii, who is a DJ, and he he did his thing in clubs, not churches. He has some lyrics there. Awesome. Hey, brother, do you still believe in one another? Hey, sister, do you still believe in love? I wonder, oh, if the sky comes falling down for you. There's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. And we have forgotten how to love one another. And in today's society, we really don't believe in one another. But here I stand on Scripture. And I can say if the sky comes falling down, for you, there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. Well, there's another song. <laughs> I could do anything for love. <laughs> no, I, I love you. And that should be our commitment to one another. The Christian faith, biblical Christianity, is built on loyalty, mutual respect, devotion, faithfulness, It's built upon the faithfulness of God. And as Christians, the children of God, we take after our Father, God. May we strive to be faithful, loyal, devoted to one another. We we are family. right, We're done now, right? We come to our time of confession.